whatever you've left undone, as Elsa would say, you know, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Uh, but thinking ahead just a little bit, uh, when will you start putting away your Christmas decorations? When do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I knew there'd be some of you out there. There's the February folk. There's some that, you know, they, they, they wait till the 12th day of Christmas. Anybody know, know when that is? January 6th is the 12th day of Christmas. The, that's, that's some people wait till there. Some people, Boxing Day is Boxing Day. They don't go shopping. They actually box up their decorations. The tree goes down, all that kind of stuff. In, in, in our home, we are somewhere in the middle. We wait till the first week of January, and it's like when we're in that space where we're kind of thinking, we've had them up for a long, it feels like a long time after a while. Let's just move on with our lives. So we uh, go into our garage, which is always an adventure, bring our boxes. We don't store cars in our garage, folks. We have better stuff in our, you know, why waste that precious storage? We carefully put away our decorations year after year, and, and then we're done. And, and it's like you put it away, and it sort of feels like, well, that's Christmas done till next year. And, and what I want to suggest to you tonight is if we rightly understand Christmas, even though, of course, we're going to put away our Christmas decorations, Christmas is not really done at midnight on de December 25th. That's just the beginning of Christmas. And so tonight, I just want to touch on a, a couple of ideas about this gift that I, I believe is meant to keep on giving all year long. First thought, we've, we've talked about this already this, this season, but just how big the scandal of Christmas is with its most unbelievable claim that the God who designed life and, and flung the galaxies into space, he came to earth as a human being. It's kind of crazy, and it's kind of unbelievable, but that's what Christians believe. It's called the, the doctrine of the incarnation, that God came in human flesh for this reason, to say to us, I really do exist. Look at me. You know, to say this is what I'm like, in case you were confused about what, what I'm like. To say I really am with you in case you forgot. That's, that's the claim. You either kind of believe it or, or you don't. The gospel writer John said it this way. We, we had uh, John, uh, what's his name? Glenn, thank you. Read it earlier. The word became flesh. <laughs> thank you. Cues. Uh, the, the Word became flesh and lived among us. Jesus became a living, breathing human being so that when we look at Him, we'd see God. Or as Matthew summed up in his telling of the Christmas story, he said He'd be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, that's a big enough, kind of scandalous enough, absurd enough thing as it is, but then it gets more interesting. Because I think it, what we'd expect if God were to show up in human flesh we'd expect him to come like, maybe like Morgan Freeman, dressed in a white suit. <laughs> or, or maybe more appropriately, Thor, you know, flung down from heaven with hammer in hand in order to make all things well. That's not what the Christmas story says. It says he came into the, this world in a most ordinary way, the ordinary well way, slowly formed in a womb, cell by cell, you know, fingers and tissue and, and hearts, and finally a, a, kicky, a, a kicking child who, who eventually bursts out of the womb. Actually, that's a bad image, not aliens like bursting out of the womb, more of a natural birth out of the womb. Man. 
Derwin. Can't wait for the Christmas holidays, folks. But God came into this planet just like you and me. He had a mama. <laughs> That's hard to wrap your mind around. Um, I've got a confession to make. This won't be a surprise to many of you, but at Christmas time, I sometimes like to dress up like Santa. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Yes, I'm, ser- I'm serious. Don't tell anybody. But I love it. Uh, and and uh, this last couple of weeks ago, I got to do it at our Christmas banquet at our, our church for the food bank that we, we host. And uh, it was a delight because Santa was the star. I'm kid- not kidding you. Families wanted pictures with me, but I'll tell you the best moments, always the best moments, is when somebody hands me a little baby, right? It, beautiful. This, this baby's like six weeks old. What a, what a delight to hold her and give joy to the parents. Babies are wonderful, aren't they? They're striking. And the thing about babies is babies have the capacity of, of bringing down walls and removing barriers, and it doesn't matter where they're from in the world. Culture is far from our own. And, and yet you, you see one of their babies, and suddenly none of that matters, right? This is how God came. He came to us helpless, He came to us vulnerable. He needed to be fed and burped and changed. He needed to be cleaned. He needed someone to love him. Totally vulnerable. Doesn't that say something about God? And the scripture says God came to us like this so we might know that he knows what it's like to be like us. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. He says, we don't have a high priest unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way just like us, Jesus, and yet he didn't sin. How powerful a story, the Christmas story is, that God became us in order to to understand us. And he doesn't just understand us. When he grew to be a man, when he left this earth, he said, I will be with you always. I'll, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I know I understand. And so it means when, when, when we mess up, we can know that he'll receive us. He gets it. When, when you hurt, he knows what it means to hurt. You can cry out to him. He understands. He says, I'm here. I'm, I'm with you. That's the message of Christmas. How do you box that up on December 26th and say, I don't need that again until next year? Don't you need that every day? Well, that's the first idea of, of the Christmas story. The other idea I want to just consider tonight is found in the Gospel of Luke. And looking at the Luke story, again, I'm struck by just kind of one little fact Three times Luke tells us the kind of bed that the baby Jesus slept in the first night that he was alive. It's like, who does that? You announce the, the birth of the baby, and then you say, and the crib was made by? No, nobody, nobody does that. And yet Luke does this three times, and I wonder, why does he mention Jesus being born in a manger? Now, a manger, many of you know this, was a, a feeding trough for animals. Many of us uh, picture it being of wood, being made of wood, but it was likely actually carved out of stone. And when I visited Bethlehem a few years ago, you, you can see mangers like this in, in the fields surrounding Bethlehem, little carved feeding troughs, and animals could come and eat from them. And this is the Christ child's first bed. What was being said by that? Why was it important for Luke to tell us that? Uh, t- two things I want you to notice. One, that it just points to the Christ child's poverty. This 
folks, is as low as you can get, that, that when you're born, you don't even have a bed except where animals eat. And in this, he was identifying with the, the billion people on our planet that, that live in serious poverty. And so for every little baby born in a homeless shelter, or, or who are born under a bush in Africa, or, or who are born in a, in a tent in a refugee camp, Jesus says, I identify with you. That's, this, this is how I came into the world too. A friend of mine uh, illustrated this well in a, in a status that she posted a while back. She wrote this. She said, this morning I found out that a dragon had joined my nativity scene. <laughs> he was trying to blend in with the angels. I guess my youngest took it to heart when we said there's room for everyone at the manger. <laughs> no one, no one, no one is excluded from the Christmas story. And I, I think of the poor shepherds there, that the angels came and sent them, and kneeling before the baby in awe that God would send a Savior like this. That's the Christmas story. But there was more than that. I think, I think what Luke wanted us to note that was that Jesus was put to rest in a place where God's creatures eat. And, and he's trying to say to us, listen up, <laughs> pay attention, because the child who was born at Christmas will satisfy the hunger that you have in your heart. We're meant to remember this as we read through the Gospels. Jesus, one day when he was being tempted by the devil to kind of give up his, his mission and follow him, Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, our needs are not just all physical. We don't just need food and, and, and drink. There's, there's more that our hearts desire and long for. And Jesus went on to say, he says, I'm the, the bread of life. Those who eat of me will never go hungry. Those who drink of me will, will never be thirsty. What is he talking about? He's not talking about the physical thirsts that we have in our bellies, but something beyond here, the, the deeper needs that we have, the needs we have for purpose and, and, and meaning and, and love and, and joy and grace and hope. We, we hunger for those things. And there are times in our lives where we feel it. We maybe have everything, and, and yet we try to fill those, those spaces with other things. If I can just find the right partner to get married to, or if I can just find the right home in the right neighborhood, or, or find the right job. But then we have those things, and, and when we do, it, it can sometimes be quite terrifying when you have of all that, and, and you realize you're still not happy. There's something inside that hungers, and, and you can't find a way to satisfy it. Jesus, at the Last Supper with his friends, he took bread and he broke it and he said, take this and eat. This is my body given for you. What he's saying is that he came to satisfy a hunger that nothing else can satisfy. And you know this. I mean, let me ask you, how, how long will those things that are under our tree satisfy us? A couple of hours? A couple of days? I was telling someone this week, I remember when I used to receive gifts, and my parents would give me a, a number of gifts, and after I opened the last one, I'd look at the tree with longing like anything else, right? Is there anything more? It was never quite enough. And, and so we unwrap our gifts, and, and here's the thing, we'll be hungry again for something else. And we try to fill this place in our hearts, and Jesus came to satisfy the hunger in our hearts. I read of a little girl who I think figured this out. Her mother had written about this uh, little girl's name, Alyssa, 
And her mother prepped her and her little sister that they were going to go to the mall and see Santa. And, and she could tell Santa what she wanted for Christmas. So Alyssa ran upstairs and, and she wrote a note to Santa Claus. And, and so they go to the mall and, and she sat on Santa's lap and, and Santa said, what do you want for Christmas, little girl? And she handed Santa the note. And Santa opened the note and, and he read it and he smiled and he said, isn't there something else you, you want for Christmas? She says, no, thank you. And she slipped off his lap. You want to know what she wrote in her letter? Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is for my family to be happy and to have a wonderful Christmas. From Alyssa. And by the way, this is for the real Santa. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no pretend Santa's here. And what Alyssa figured out is that nothing she could ask for from Santa was what she actually wanted ultimately. What she really wanted was for her parents to be blessed and for her little sister to be blessed and for her life to be filled with joy. All the kind of stuff you can't quite find online or in the mall. And that comes from Jesus. And so when we look at the, the Christmas story and we realize he came to give us life and life more abundantly, he came to satisfy the, the deepest hungers that we have in our hearts. How can we put that on a box on December 26th and say, you know what, I, I don't really need that, you know? I'll just put that away until, until December, next December. I'll just pack it away in a box. And so I'm, I've done this before. I, I want to give you an invitation tonight, just a, a simple one to, to start, actually two. First, uh, as I've encouraged you before, how about this year? You just leave one part of your Christmas decorations out this year. Maybe it's an, an ornament or uh, an item from your nativity, whatever it is, and put it on a shelf where you can see it every day for this next year, remembering that Christmas Day is just the beginning. And you need that story every single day. God with us, the story of God understanding, the story of God satisfying our souls with good things. And then finally, I just want to invite you to say yes to the story. You know, simply to say, I, I want Christmas. I, I need it. I need you, God. Jesus came and he said, for those who received him, for those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus wants to invite us into his family. <laughs> He's got a large table at his family. He invites everybody. Nobody's excluded. I love that. And he invites us. And so tonight, the invitation's for you. And, and some of you come year by year, and you hear the invitation again and again. And I, I just want to throw it out there lavishly for those of you who, are, who are, need to be invited many, many times before you say yes. I'm going to keep on inviting you, by the way. If you come every Christmas, I'm going to keep on doing this. But I want to encourage you to consider this invitation that Jesus makes to each of us every Christmas and every day. Come to me so you might find life. Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's just uh, pray. Take a moment. As you pray, uh, these are just some of the stillest moments you might have in the next day or so. And if you feel like this is what you want to say, if you, you want to say yes to the Christmas story, if you want to say yes to Jesus, why don't you say this prayer quietly under your breath with me? You can whisper it if you'd like. Thank you, God, for Christmas. I trust in your love. I trust you are real. That you can satisfy my hungry heart 
that you're willing to, to save me from myself and from my sin. I trust you're always with me and that in you there is always hope. Thank you, God, for Christmas. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Dear Lord, we are surrounded by light and we do not deny the darkness that still lays hold of our world, of our community, of our lives, but we recognize that your light is greater. Your hope is stronger. Your love is wider. Your joy is deeper. Your peace is more substantial. We welcome you here. We rejoice over the unbelievable mystery of, the, of your incarnation. We sing for joy over field and city with the angels. We kneel by your humble cradle with the shepherds. You have come, and everything is different. May we draw nearer to you this Christmas. May we share your hope. May we extend your love. May we be filled with your joy. May we experience your peace. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Uh, thank you, folks. Uh, look around. Just see the light, how much brighter this room is as we shine the light. And uh, I want to pronounce just this blessing over you before you go and you take part of whatever festivities you've got planned. But receive this blessing. May he who is living water and he who is the bread of life satisfy the deepest hungers of your heart this Christmas and for the coming year. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.